Welcome to Manager Tools, a professional sense of humor, part two. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. What kind of jokes can I tell? What standards should I set with my team about humor and jokes? Why do my directs laugh at my jokes? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Let's go on to our next one. This is actually the one that I thought you'd start off with, right? Which is, yeah. I, I, I'd say it's obvious, except I see it and hear it happening all the time. So it's obviously not obvious. Not obvious, yes. <laughs> Never joke in poor taste. Yeah, it's the same. All I'm doing is just extending the the logic of role power, organizational power, uh, setting the example, professional comportment to the next level. Which, as a manager, you're setting the example. You are the company. What you do, the company condones. What you condone, your company smiles at. Don't make a joke you wouldn't want your directs making. Otherwise, they'll end up making it. You're the company. If your company wouldn't make the joke you're about to make in public, as the old joke goes on the cover of the New York Times, don't make it yourself. Don't put it in Twitter, whether it's your personal account or not. I'm tired of these people with these personal Twitter accounts. Oh, these are my these are my personal uh, interests. And the guy is publicly known as the VP of a five billion dollar company. Okay, really, seriously. No, sorry, no. Now, he might say, well, I like sharing myself with other people. Yeah, there's all kinds of things I like doing that I don't do because I represent my organization. In part, meaning I have to go to work on Wednesdays because Wednesday they pay me to show up (laughs) and I can't just go play golf all day Wednesday. You just can't do it. Never make a joke that relies on insensitivity to a person, place, or thing, idea, whatever else to make its point. I think we I alluded to this earlier about political correctness. There's so much guidance. It's, there's HR people uh, that are looking for politic managers and individuals who make politically incorrect jokes. And it's even so bad now that there are actually response teams on college campuses, at least in the States, it may not be true overseas, that are designed to address any 911 text to a certain number that suggests that someone said something offensive that might have offended someone. But look, managers, professionals, don't think about political correctness. If you're setting the example as a professional, the concept of having to consider political correctness is ludicrous. And the reason for that is because a professional wouldn't do those things. One would not. Uh, it, It sounds stuffy, but I wouldn't, period. End of story. Full stop. <laughs> so let's not worry about political correctness. Let's just be a professional. And you'll discover that all of those behaviors that may be offensive to someone else are simply prescribed. You're, you're not going to do them because you're, the first thought is a professional, which is someone who does what he says he's going to do when he says he's going to do it, whether he wants to or not, without debate. And that means upholding the standards of your organization. Just read all the ads and all the public communications that your company has presented to the outside world. Do you find any political incorrectness? Do you find any off-color jokes? Do you find any vulgar jokes? I don't think so. Well, there's your guidance. Yeah, that works pretty well, too. Yeah. Okay, next one. 
No personal styles. First of all, you got to explain to me, what do you mean by a personal style? Is that like a personal scent? Oh, that's a different Yes, it's personal scent. Very nice. Oh, there's a joke right there, Kurt. Another, another. Just full yeah. of chocolate. Are you making a joke about me? Luckily, you're not my boss. Um, there are some managers who like to say that their jokes are different because their personality is different. They have a darker personality. Oh, geez. So it's okay that they have a dark sense of humor. I got to tell you guys, I heard a guy make a joke about death once or more precisely suicide. And we had a colleague whose child had had some difficult times during uh, their teenage years, which is a time when hormonal challenges are such that it can be a very difficult time. Suicide rates among teenagers is not trivial in some ways. And it's not that they're sick. It's that their brain chemistry is makes it really difficult to be a happy, healthy, functioning human being. If you make those kinds of jokes because you have a dark personality, dark sense of humor, and then you think people should get a life about understanding your jokes, you're wrong, okay? Because your company's communications, your organization's communications, the examples your bosses set don't include those kind of things. Again, I would say that there are some people who would say, well, that's just political correctness. No, it's not. It's professionalism. Or people say, um, I have a rough sense of humor. I'm not afraid of rubbing people the wrong way. No, you don't get to do that. That's like saying, I'm tall, so I like to make jokes about short people. And so therefore, because I'm always, I've always been tall since you know teenage years, I can carry that into my workplace and make jokes about people being short in my workplace. No, you can't. <laughs> you accept a new set of rules about your behavior when you become a manager, when you become a representative of the company, when you become the company to your directs. And managers just say, I don't mean anything by it because they have a snide sense of humor or a snarky sense of humor or a rude sense of humor or they jab at people. These people are full of crap. When you become a manager, you surrender I'm going to say that again, guys. You surrender certain areas of individuality in order to join the organization. This isn't popular to say this, but it is part of organizational theory 101. This isn't our idea or opinion. This isn't Mark. This isn't Mike. This is organizational theory 101. When you join an organization, you give up some of your individuality. We've talked about this before. The U.S. is famous for having unrestricted free speech. Actually, there are some very few restrictions. You can't communicate threats. That's illegal. But the vast majority of speech is unrestricted in the United States. There are different countries with different rules and so on. My point is, though, however, that you do not have free speech within an organization. You give up that right. Mike and I served in the Army. You don't get to talk publicly about who you're going to vote for when you're an officer in the United States Army. It's against the law. And the reason why is because the Army is an arm of the state, and it's believed to be prejudicial to the good order and conduct of the military services, which are controlled by the civilian government for the military services to talk about who they want to elect. You may not like this. You may find this constitutionally difficult to believe, but it is in fact the law. And so if you break the law, Mike and I can tell you, it was very clear to us, you'd get in a lot of trouble. You'd lose your ability to be an officer. You'd probably go to jail. Yeah. You'd probably be breaking rocks somewhere. So the point is, 
when you join an organization, you give up some things, okay? Not everybody is as restrictive as the United States Army guys. I just use that as a first-person example for Mike and I. When you join an organization, there is a give and take. The give, what you give, is you give up some of your freedoms, some of your rights, some of your individuality, okay? You don't get to wear whatever you want. You have to blend in with the culture. You don't get to say whatever you want if your natural tendency is to be outspoken or rude or disrespectful to people. You have to be in a functioning member of the team, even if that's not your natural way. The organization is not built for you. On the other hand, you get something way more magnificent than anything you give up. Think of joining an organization as the willingness to pay an individuality tax. You lose some of your individuality. But the organization, which sociologists generally agree, large organizations are the greatest thing mankind has ever achieved. When you join the organization, you join a machine, an entity that magnifies human ability far beyond what we are capable of in a summation. Meaning, if Mike and I were the only two people in the company, manager tools would be the summation, simply the summation of Mike plus Mark. No, there's something more than that. There's Mike plus Mark plus the ability for us to specialize labor and for us to do more than we could do individually. It's not his individual work and my individual work. It's those two plus the combination that happens when we work together. There's no way that Apple, right, who's a client of ours, could say, could the number of people who work at Apple, 100,000 people working independently without communicating, could in fact produce MacBooks, MacBook Airs, iPhones, iPads, and so on, all by themselves. You couldn't. And so the idea that people's personal sense of humor is okay because it's personal is incorrect. Your personal sense of humor gets subordinated to the company's sense of humor. Now, some of you are listening and saying, well, I guess that means we won't have as much sense of humor. No, we won't have as much a sense of humor of your type of humor. There are plenty of people who have great senses of humor, who say nothing untoward, who do nothing unprofessional, nothing rude, nothing disrespectful, nothing joking about power. And we'll talk about that in just a bit. You don't get to be yourself as a manager. You don't get to be yourself as a manager. You don't get to have your own idiosyncratic sense of humor if it violates your obligations as a manager, as we've talked about here. Everything you do the company is doing. Because if you're the company and you do it, the company is doing it. Yeah. Welcome to they, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. Welcome to they. It's, it's not as if everybody beneath you is part of a group and everybody above you is the company. People don't understand that. You're a manager. Everybody below you is individual and everybody, you and everybody above you is they. Your company wouldn't make fun of someone, so you can't. Full stop. Yep. Your company wouldn't joke with a vendor about its power, wouldn't take out an ad talking about how much bigger and more powerful it is than a vendor. And so, therefore, you can't. Yeah. And on and on and on. Yeah, I think this this last section is uncomfortable for a lot of people. I, even, yes. even I, I feel a little... Discomfort because you're me too. Because you're you know giving up you know your your freedoms and liberties even in a small way so that you can be part of an organization that yep. and the organization can function just doesn't feel right. But it but it's true. And once you get this through your head, then things make a, a lot more sense. Yep. 
So our next one we're going to talk about, we're going to actually move in the positive direction here for a second. And I love this particular one, which is self-deprecation being the best theme, because for me, it is so, so easy. Yeah, it's just a rich field, right? That's how I feel. Like, it's like I, somebody asked me the other day about, you know, can you remember your last mistake? I said, do you want any any of the 10 in the last five hours, or do you want the really big ones that were just whoppers that lost me a job or my, or, I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, holy Toledo, I got mistakes. Let's have a contest to see who's made the biggest mistake. Who pulled the boneheadedest move? Oh, that's got to be me. I don't know. I've, I've, I've yeah. had some pretty good ones. No, I, I could beat you, dude. I yeah. totally could. I'm not going to do it on air, though. Right. And, every, and well, yeah. And everybody listening goes, yeah, I got a few stories myself, right? It's we're we're not unique. And that's, yeah. That's what makes it so easy. Yeah. If you don't know what jokes to tell, tell jokes on yourself. Ask yourself sitting in an audience. And when you're in an audience, you're in a communication situation and the person at the podium has more power than you because they're standing up and you're sitting down. Even if there's a thousand of you, the person at the podium is in control or they're in power. Okay. Ask yourself. Next time you're sitting in an audience and the speaker makes a couple of jokes, whether he makes the jokes at your expense or her or his expense, ask yourself which ones you appreciate. The ones you appreciate are the ones at the speaker's expense. So if you're wondering how you can add a little humor to a meeting, make fun of yourself, your mistakes, your foibles, your fears, your frustrations, your weaknesses, okay? If you're going to make a joke about power, make a joke about the power your boss has over you, okay? And look, we all have our weaknesses. He or she who admits them publicly has a little less weakness than the guy who won't. So just give it up. Just admit. You make mistakes just like everybody else. And by the way, if you spend too much time trying to keep people from finding out your weaknesses, they just stand out all the more. Glaringly, I guess one point. I know we're we're on a positive note on this on this section of the podcast, but folks, do some judgment. I, Mark, I'm thinking about the time uh, the introduction exercise where we did one time, and somebody shared some personal information that wasn't completely appropriate. So don't make it awkward. Yeah, joke about yourself, but don't don't make it awkward. Yeah, we could spend an hour talking about that and giving all kinds of subtleties and we still wouldn't be able to get it across. If you're thinking you might not should say what you're going to say, that's a pretty good bit of guidance that you should not say that thing. Yeah. Here's what I love about this. Uh, I got taught this years ago, felt like I'd been given a little kernel of, of smarts. Isn't it funny when you put down yourself in a joke? Nobody thinks of it as a joke where somebody was put down. And I'll tell you, um, Mike, you grew up, you started growing up in Southern California. You moved to Northern California. I don't know if this was a thematic or cultural thing. And I'm sure I'm going to get some emails from people that find what I'm about to say offensive. But in 1960s and early 1970s, Southern California, if you told a joke, the joke you would tell if you were making fun of somebody, would be a Polak joke, a joke on a person who was Polish. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anyone who was Polish, or if I did, I wasn't aware of what Polish names looked like. I didn't think that they sounded Polish. 
uh, the community that I lived in, I don't remember people with Eastern European accents, if you will. And so we told those kind of jokes. I don't ever remember hearing, I don't think I remember jokes about girls, I, you know, because I was a boy and I hung around other boys. I was about to say I don't remember Italian jokes, but I do remember a book that was actually jokes about Italians. Maybe those books still exist. Maybe they don't. And, and if they don't, maybe the world is just getting a little bit better place to be. And I'm sure there are people who are listening to this going, gosh, the one place where we could get away with being ourselves and untethered and un, unfiltered was in humor. And I would say, no, really not. It's never been that way. I remember if you made up a joke, the punchline of the joke was was the Polak. And of course, there had to be somebody who was put down. Yet, if you tell a joke about yourself, nobody thinks of you as putting somebody down. There's no target. If you target yourself, there's this perception. You're essentially bonding with other people by admitting what everyone else knows about themselves, which is we're all weak. We're all failed. We're all flawed. We're all not perfect. But when you make a joke at somebody else's expense, you're saying essentially they're more flawed than me. And now the joke turns on your relative superiority, which as a manager, you already have and you don't need to call attention to that. That's right. I think this is a key point when you when you first said, I think you said, you know, something about when you put yourself down, you yourself down in a joke, nobody thinks of it as a joke where anyone was put down. Folks, you got to remember that because a lot of managers not a lot. Let me take that back. Some managers mistakenly believe that if they make a joke about themselves and put it and make the joke at their own expense, then somehow it's going to, going to lower their direct's opinion of them as a manager. It is so far from the truth. It's it's actually the opposite of the truth. But that's another way of of saying what you just said. You tell you tell a joke at your own expense. There was no expense, right? It was free. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. Next point, if you listen to this, you're going, you're all of a sudden become very, very aware of the inappropriate things happening that you're doing, which you can stop, of course, um, as well as other people doing within your organization. If you're a manager, you're responsible for everything your organization does or fails to do. And so in this particular case, you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're going to have to give feedback to someone. Yeah. And we're saying this for managers, although I'm sure Wendy will want to steal some of this for career tools as well. But this is the part that's specifically manager relative to behavior, even though obviously your role power, uh, the role power discussion we've had throughout this um, puts managers on a higher standard. If one of our directs makes a joke or uses humor that we find goes against these general guidelines about comportment, about professional subordination, about professionalism, about ethics, about kindness, about being a good person, which are the things that make up being a professional and being a manager at an ethical company, it's time to give them feedback. You don't have to overreact. HR doesn't need to be involved. They engage in behavior that you believe was counter to their professional development, and so you're going to say something to them. Now, this is a case where, uh, Mike, I don't know if I haven't told you this yet, but I've been getting a lot of emails lately from people saying, oh, I read about feedback. I read about one-on-ones. You know, it's only been, <laughs> depending upon which theme you want to use, 10 or 20 years since we've started to put this out. But um, people now almost take one-on-ones for granted, and feedback is becoming moving more and more in our direction. It's regressing toward our mean. Thank you very much. But look, it's as simple as this. I'll play the manager. You play the direct. Hey, Mike, can I give you some feedback? Sure, boss. 
When you make jokes about other people's mistakes, it sets the wrong example for the team here. Can you cut back on that, please? Sure. I'm sorry. Yeah, good. No worries, dude. Let it go. I'm over it. Right? Um, that's the manager tools feedback model. It doesn't have to be terribly hard. And if you know the feedback model and it applies to behavior and behavior includes the words people say and somebody says something, you don't have to ask them why they did it. You don't have to send them to a sensitivity session. You don't have to wonder whether or not they're a bad person or how they were raised or whether or not they're other people. If in fact they said something that was not professional about another person or another group uh, within the company or whatever, you don't have to worry about that. You simply have to ask them to change their behavior. And one of the principles involved there is that you can actually behave your way into feeling something. And what most people forget when we mention feedback and we're talking about what not to do in terms of humor, there's also the possibility that one of your directs actually uses humor to the advantage. And so if somebody diffuses some tension with a self-deprecatory joke, and that helps you in a meeting, there's nothing wrong with some positive feedback either. So the example might be this. Hey, Mike, can I give some feedback? Sure, man. Uh, when you make a, a joke like you did, self-deprecating joke like you did in that meeting, it took a lot of tension out of the air and that discussion. Nice work. Thank you. Mm, thanks, dude. Yeah. It's not that big a deal. When somebody behaves in a way that's helpful, that's supportive, that's professional, we say so. We thank them for it and we ask them to do it again. If they do something that's counter to our standards of comportment and professionalism or against the standards and ethics of our organization or that tears down the team, one of our two key things, we ask them to change their behavior. Simple as that. Look, it would be nice if humor, which we all have inside us, were easier or just more normal. But then managing would be great if it were just easier and more normal, right? <laughs> But humor's not in part because we're managers and we have a special obligation to meet a higher standard because we represent the organization. Humor is particularly hard for people because it feels distinctly personal. But again, we give up some of our rights uh, and personal choices when we're leaders in an organization. It's the tax we pay to have our personal abilities magnified by the organization. It's a tax you ought to be willing to pay because what were we put on earth to do if not to help one another through? It's the right thing to do. I agree. Thanks, man. I enjoyed that. Anytime, partner. All right, man. We'll see you later. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Meantime, have a great one. So long. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want. With easy searching of podcasts by category, using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Manager Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did. <laughs>